Ladies and gentlemen, David Handel, I know you are calling on a landline. Can we get like a drum roll? Do I need to do like a mock drum roll here? Or, or can you give us one? How, can you can you add this in in post-production? <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe I'll, I'll add a little. We'll do something. Yeah, add, add, some, add some drum roll or like dramatic music in the post. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm make, still keeping this part in. No. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for the dramatic music, the long suffering is over. Eric Henry, FIUP writer, SB Nation, joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself, our FIU super fan, Mr. David Handel. And if you didn't know by now, uh, where the hell you been? I mean, well, granted, the game was on Flow Sports. So I guess in theory, if you didn't read my awesome game recap, you would have no idea what I'm talking about. But, David, uh, for the first time since November 23rd of 2019, and for the first time since November 17th of 2018, the FIU Panthers have beaten an FBS opponent, and they have beaten an FBS opponent on the road. They defeated New Mexico State 21-7, to despite being double-digit underdogs heading into the game. David, uh, I'm not even going to ask you the cliche, how you doing, all that stuff. I just I, I want to get right. I want to jump right into it, man. Because um, I'll respond to this too. But if I had told you, as an FIU fan that you are, that it would be this long since FIU won an FBS game, like just take me through what would have been your range of emotions that night at Marlins Park, Eric. Um, I, I I wish I wasn't, you know calling in from my phone because I want to play the FIU fight song. I might have to throw that in here on the post-production as well, because Eric, I'm very happy. I'm very relieved. It feels like a burden off my shoulders that we finally got an FBS win. Uh, listen, obviously we knew going into the season, it was going to be one of those things where it was probably going to be a very tough, long season, but the fact that we were actually able to beat an FBS team is just, awesome in itself but to answer your question um uh, it's pretty funny because um i i first off i would it's it's absolutely shocking um like the drop off right uh, since you know miami we obviously haven't won you know there's in the covid year then there was last year and, and we, we the fact that this is our first fbs win since that is it's pretty surreal in itself but uh it's funny it's it, I, always, I tell my friends all the time, like I basically, I basically like signed the deal with the devil because I had told myself, I had told a friend of mine before the game, like before the UM game. And he was like, like, what would you do to win this game? He's like, dude, I would sacrifice years of winning to win this game. And it actually happened. So, but I'm glad hopefully my deal is done and we can get more wins under our belt. Um, and yeah, man, I, I'm just really happy. I'm honestly really just happy for coach Mack and the players and, and, and Scott, I know, um, obviously, you know, especially these, these players and coaches put so much work in and to especially come back from the most embarrassing loss in the history of our, of our, uh, young, youngish, uh, you know, I was almost at franchise, but youngish, uh, tenure. Um, it, it, it's pretty, it, they must be feeling good. And, and it's, you know, it was a really, really fun game. And as you did mention, it was on slow sports. Close sports, I mean, that's a $20 robbery, if you ask me. I mean, dude, holy crap. I mean, they were, they were showing drives, and then midway, like through the play, 
they would show a play from a different drive and then cut back to the regular. Yeah, I was like, what is going on here? Um, but no, no, nonetheless, it was just a really good time. Uh, really good to finally witness. You know, obviously we we beat Brian and we beat what Long Island State last year. It's it's different when it, you can actually say it's an FBS team, right? Especially when we were over two touchdown underdogs, which was, by the way, the most absurd thing I have ever seen in my life. I mean, I've never seen a line that's so disrespectful. It was the easiest money to be made. I mean, it was, and I and I said it. Listen, we are, you know, we're rebuilding. It, 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 this this might not be our year, right? You know, we're, we're, we would probably rank towards the bottom half or your bottom really third, maybe even less of, of the college football landscape. But New Mexico State, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of like, they're right around us. They were, they were ranked similarly to us, like going in. I'm like two and a half, well, two touchdowns and, and, and the kicker of the point five, Ridiculous, Eric. That was disrespectful. And I'm glad we smacked Vegas in the mouth. Disrespect was a word that uh, was on the mind of one Scott Carr. I spoke of him post game. He, he, I'm sure FIU fans saw him quote tweet or screenshot and then tweet the ESPN predictor that had them at a 19% chance of winning the game. He felt that was disrespectful. Uh, yeah, no, David, I, I will, I will say this, and I, before I pass back to another question, I think that line was a byproduct of just the sheer shock of the loss of FIU the loss the loss against Western Kentucky for FIU and quite frankly, someone who did not pick FIU to win that game, how banged up the offensive line was going into that game. Now, with that being said, you're right. New Mexico state for listeners may not know. I mean, you think FIU is rebuilding prior to Jerry kill. They were all of Doug Martin's tenure. They were rebuilding. I mean, they probably went six, seven years where they had combined maybe 14 or 15 wins. So yeah, uh, they have been a rebuilding program for a while. Future conference USA foe. So David, want to pass it back to you on this first off flow sports uh worse broadcast obviously you guys know i i don't get a chance to watch the broadcast live and flow sports i'll never get a chance to watch that broadcast because i'm not paying 20 dollars to do so and they're not uploading on youtube or anything uh flow sports worse than the espn3 broadcast oh my god eric it, it, it makes espn3 look like an oscar film <laughs> i mean eric you don't understand first off the funniest thing and, and i almost respect this and maybe this is a thing, maybe it's, I'm just so not used to it. And I don't think really anybody is when you go, you know, watch any of these games on, on ESPN or, or CBS sports or things like that, you know, the announcers or the commentators are like, you know, supposed to be neutral. Um, you know, you're not usually like, you know, if you're on the, your own, like FIU's radio station, the announcers are clearly, you know, by like they're, they're, they're FIU and I'm like, these guys were, were, were referencing New Mexico state as we like, they were just like complete homering as the entire game, which I just thought was hilarious. Like I was like, honestly kind of respect and I get it. Like, like it, I'm assuming it's a New Mexico state team um, as opposed to like, you know, sometimes like you, you'll watch, you know, any of these national televised games or things like that. You have to like kind of be biased, even though it's like Kurt Hershey, like calling a Ohio state game, like trying to not show his fanhood. You know what I mean? But these guys were like, just uh, like unshaken in, in, in in their ability to just be complete homers on the on the call, which is pretty funny in itself. But yeah, the, the stream was was pretty bad. Um, you know, as I mentioned, all the, the cutouts. Um, you know, it just uh, it looked. I mean, it, it, the, the camera work probably needed some work as well. But um, it, it, it was it, it's a pretty funny. I, I mean, I didn't even know that thing existed until last week. So. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I guess, you know, if you're a New Mexico State fan, that's pretty brutal. Uh, and, and actually, you know, and now that I'm saying this out loud, it makes more sense because they're independent, right? I mean, they're, I know they're joining, uh, are they, they're independent right now, right? Yeah, David, yeah, David, I was going to, no, I, I was going to, you know, once you finish your point, I was going to kind of provide some context. Sorry to be the, the journalistic guy here. Um, they are independent. So as a result, independents don't have TV contracts. So essentially what you were watching was New Mexico State's um, contractual agreement for their home games. So they were the home announcers that that was broadcast on Flow Sports for uh, the greater audience, but Bally Sports Arizona uh, for the region. So essentially that was New Mexico State's radio broadcast radio team um, with the um, I believe Andy Morgan was on the sidelines. He's a local El Paso sportscaster. Um, so essentially it, it, it was it was meant to be a home broadcast. That That's that's what I'm saying. But um, noted on the fact that the cutaways were all over the place. So that's a. Uh, that's something that that you know. I wish I could I could go back and watch it, but I'm not paying 20 bucks to do so. David, let's get to the game. Your takeaways, your thoughts. Uh, most of the action, most of the scoring, or all the score, I should say, was in the first half. All 28 points came in the first half. Of course, the scoring was over by Tyrese Chambers. First drive by FIU looked like it was gonna be much of the same after a first down play, two straight sacks, forcing a punt. But on that second drive of the game, Tyrese Chambers hauls in a four-yard reception from Grayson James. The Panthers go 12 plays. 89 yards, 89 yards in 12 plays, four minutes, 37 seconds. Mexico State follows that up. And uh, in the second quarter, the star Thomas, a big running back at six, it's six, three, two thirty, uh, two yard touchdown. That drive, I remember was aided by some penalties, specifically a Demetrius Hill um, or yeah, Demetrius Hill uh, pass interference down on the goal line that put star Thomas in range to score that touchdown, 14 plays, 75 yards, shoot up eight minutes o'clock. And then the final two scores, Jalen Bracey, one of the new guys, David, definitely want to get your thoughts on him. 25-yard TD reception thrown by Grayson James. And then the long gainer on third and 13, Flex Joseph takes a swing pass. A swing pass has been a staple to David Yost's offense. I know some fans had a little bit of consternation as far as, you know, that being a, a staple of the offense and getting the ball in the hands quickly. Uh, it kind of showed, you know, really what they're looking to do there. I mean, not every play is going to go 60 yards for a TD, but getting the ball out of the head quarterback's hands quickly. Maybe you're thinking you pick up five, six yards and go for a fourth down. Instead, Flex Joseph takes it 60 yards for the TD. That was the final scoring, 21-7 at half, 21-7 final score. So, David, uh, that was my quick synopsis. Uh, I'll dive into it a little bit after you give me your thoughts, kind of what a – what impressed you? What were your takeaways? What were your thoughts? Give me the range of the fan emotions as you were watching that one, David. Eric, I'm going to start it here. I know you mentioned all, obviously all the scoring plays. Um, you know, Tyrese, it, 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 he's so good, man. I, I love him so much. You know, I'm a huge Flex Joseph guy. Uh, Flex, I mean, he's awesome. But I am going to lead off, or I guess not lead off as I restart talking, but I'm going to emphasize the amazing work of the defense. Uh, I thought the defense played outstanding. Um, I, I, you know, it's such, it, it's crazy because like, like I mentioned, like I, I'm so happy that, that, that these guys like bounce back. Like, you know how hard it is? Like you just gave up 73 points and you're expected to come back the next week. And then not, now you, you know, lock down this team to seven points. We put up 40 points the week before against Hawaii. You know what I mean? Um, and they really showed out. Uh, they're, you know, Stopping the run, a lot of big, you know, a lot of, um, you know, big defense, big plays by our, our DBs. Uh, I don't know his name, but I know they kept target. I, I forgot his name, but they kept targeting number twelve, who I believe is a freshman. Um, as a guy, you know, as a guy you're correct. Yeah, and he he held his own. I thought the defense really, really played like spectacular, and um, 
you know, absolutely. I think they deserve the game ball as a collective unit because, um, you know, they held to seven points. And, and even in the end, like, like this, obviously we mentioned, we, we scored three times in the first half. We couldn't really score in the second half. I know we had like a missed field goal and things like that, but usually what, what's been at least in the first few games is that the defense was on the field so much that, you know, it was, it was that they were bending, uh, as much as they could. And then, you know, it ended up breaking. And in this game, they did not break. Uh, and they, you know, held their own. And granted, you know, uh, you know, obviously New Mexico State isn't, you know, a powerhouse or anything crazy like that. But the fact that they were able to show up and, and, and really get the job done and completely like lock down that team, um, defensively the entire game, that one drive, we basically killed ourselves with all those penalties. But besides that, they could not really do much. Um, and so I thought the defense was the shining star for sure. And then on the offensive side, like, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, Tyrese, uh, is, is great. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to, I mean, the, the O-line played very well too. And we, it was the first game that we were actually able to establish any sort of run. We were using a lot of read option. Grayson was playing it really well. Um, you know, he was playing smart, nothing too crazy, made, made the, correct pass when he needed to made the right reads he ran very well too uh, i thought you know just collectively i mean it, it was pretty uh i mean the first half was awesome the second half uh, slowed down a bit but still like had control of the game and and you know it was just really 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 good to see because um you know once again it, it, it's probably so hard to bounce back after you know a 73 to 0 loss and not coming to the game with your head down and and they pulled off a win and they it pretty much was was coasting. I mean, I know it was only twenty one seven, but they were up two touchdowns for a wide, basically the entire game. Uh, after they they scored that one touchdown, it was you know FIU all the way. So um, yeah, I mean nothing but good things. Uh, definitely an improvement. I'm very interested in to see how you know this team comes down to play at homecoming against UConn, another team that um, going to the season I had you know, listed as one of the three teams that we really had a chance to win. And um, so this is going to be, you know, see if they can continue that momentum, um, you know, going into homecoming and hopefully with to a pack crowd. David, I'm going to kind of pick, uh, pick it up where you left off. They're going to raise a few observations, my own things that really caught my attention. A, the reason that I did not pick FIU to win this game. I had FIU win this game entering the year. I actually said that, both of those streaks that I opened this the this podcast with would fall within the first month of the year. I, I thought this was the game that would happen. The reason I did not pick FIU was not because of the 73-0 at Western Kentucky. And ironically enough, we talked with Mike McIntyre on the Underdog Dynasty Conference USA podcast earlier today. He kind of made a joke and said that I don't remember that game. <laughs> so that I'm sure you guys get a kick out of that. But it wasn't the score. It was the fact that the offensive line was so banged up. And David, I mean, am I, you, you, I, I will actually defer to you here. Am I overstating it from a fan's perspective? Am I overstating it when I, when I say that this offensive line looked to be easily the worst you've probably seen in, in at least the time I've been covering the program through the first three games of the year. Is that fair? That is fair. Um, it, especially in the last few years, it's, it's definitely fair. And, you know, the, the first three games were very, very brutal for this offensive line. Um, and so your, your assessment 
uh, of thinking that they would be able to handle it is was probably on the correct side going into the game. But they really, honestly, they 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 played out, and and you know, it, it was very good to see a lot. And, and I think that hopefully it, it's one of those like momentum builders, and also like these these a lot. We have a lot of young pieces on that line that are slowly but surely getting more reps and and getting more comfortable with with uh, you know David Yost's system and. And I think hopefully this was a, like a step forward and, and, a, and a sense to give them being like, hey, we, we know, you know, how we can run this now and, and, and how we can play and, and see if they can build off that. But no, Eric, you, you're definitely right. Um, the first three games, it was definitely, you know, some of the worst performances of the line that we've seen in the past few years. So what changed for the offensive line, A, is, I mean, A, they played outstanding. Give credit to Greg Austin. I know that on Twitter, uh, we'll say here, credit Greg Austin for, you know, kind of coming with the game plan along with David Yost to getting that offensive line together. But A, Lindell Hudson was not supposed to play. All Everything, everything I'd heard going into the game is that Lindell was not going to play. Been battling a back injury, really, David, since spring-ish, fall-ish. He spent most of fall in the red non-contact jersey, so... Uh, that back injury is not new, but he gutted it out and ended up with a performance that earned him the top spot amongst all right tackles in America on Pro Football Focus's all uh, all all offense team for this I week. Saw so, that's awesome. I saw yeah. that. that. That's awesome. So kudos to Lindell there. Uh, shout out to the whole group, David. Um, Ray Burnett, Sam Hill, Julius Pierce, um, John Bach, Bo Blanchard, Shamar Habdi Lee, um, uh, Jamar Sylvester. I mean, listen, all those guys who played. And I, I still got to go back. A reason I wish I could watch this game, David, is by my eyes, and of course I only got one look at it watching it live, I thought FIU played the same five offensive linemen all game. But, I, I you know, M- Mike McIntyre said that he thought they played seven. Um, I'll have to – and, you know, unfortunately, due to the, the situation of Hurricane Ian, I wasn't able to make it down for presser on Tuesday. So I, I won't get a chance to ask him. In fact, once you watch the tape, how many they did play. But the reason I mention that is, David, for such a young group to have to play every snap, maybe I'll go back and check the pro football focus numbers and see what they have as far as offensive linemen played. But that was incredible, the fact that they were able to sustain that performance. John Bach, as I mentioned, being a true freshman, playing between guard and center. Um, Pierce had at times playing tackle. Lindell again. So uh, kudos to those guys. That's step one. Step two, with that time, Grayson James was able to do some things with his legs. And the, as you mentioned, the running game, while still not great, it, it still wasn't necessarily a great performance, but you're able to, for just, you know, I, I can't emphasize this enough. If you can't run the ball, you're not going to be able to do much of what you want to do if you're David Yost offensively. You just, you just can't because if there's no threat of the run, teams just going to key in on the pass. Uh, pass rush is going to be there. And it, it, as a defense, again, if you're not threatened by the run, then that's one whole responsibility as a defensive player you're not thinking about, especially as a front seven, the way they're keying off, uh, uh, the front four, the way they're looking to key off, and then the secondary. So great job by Flex Joseph getting 80 yards. Grayson James, 18 carries led the team for 43 yards, and EJ Wilson added another 31. So that really helped as well. Uh, David, the last observation that I, I do want to get your thoughts on. Wait, uh, Eric. Can I oh, go, ahead, go ahead, sir. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead totally different thing i just realized listen if you do want to watch the game i had the the, the, the flow sports and other thing that you don't get a one-day pass you get the month so Correct. if you need to rewatch it i can hook you up with my login <laughs> oh ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah all right I, I i you know what 
We will talk about that off here. I may be sharing that Flow Sports <laughs> login because David is correct. You either have the yearly pass, which is 150 bucks, or the monthly pass. So uh, I might have to use one of y'all's Flow Sports login to rewatch the game. Great point, David. Oh, man. No, the other point that I was going to make that I, I was definitely curious and want your thoughts on. Uh, defensively, obviously a, a nice performance. The New Mexico State offense, still a work in progress under Gavin Frakes, a uh, true freshman quarterback. Um, did want to get your thoughts, David, on the special teams. You know, a, a miss there by Chase Gabriel, kind of one of the one of the lowlights of the game, especially from, you know, short, short yardage kick and 20-something yards. On the flip side of that, really good job by Dayton Montiel, doing an excellent job punting. So did want to get your thoughts on the special teams before we flip it forward and talk about UConn. Yeah, Dave, Dave Montiel is um, really good. I mean, he's I, we, we've been punting a lot, that's for sure, um, in these first four games. So we've able, been able to see him a, a good amount of times. And I, I think he's, he's, he's had a great season, and he had a really, really good game because we were pinning them a lot of times, and, and, and it you know, helped our defense in the fact that they would have had to make these very massively long drives. Um, but uh, Chase... Chase did have that miss and it was a, you know, relatively easy field goal. Um, you know, I know he had it, he had it missed all year up to that point. Um, he's had, he had some troubles last year as well. Um, you know, so it's something definitely to, to, to be on the lookout for. I mean, we haven't really, that was what our fourth field goal attempt in four games. Uh, so you're just hoping, honestly, if he can just consistently start hitting those, which he usually, you know, does that range is usually very makeable. But the thing about college kickers, you know, is sometimes you got to give and take there. Um, but you know, Chase, hopefully, um, you know, is going to put that one behind him. All right. So that win is now behind us. Here's what I think is truly exciting. I mentioned this with, again, with Mac on the CUSA podcast, opportunity to win back-to-back games, David. When is the last time you have the top of your head? <laughs> When's the last time FIU won two straight? Top of my head, um, I don't know. Do we went too straight in, in 2019? I know we obviously didn't win after UM. We lost FAU the week before. We start the season. I don't know. I actually, I, I don't F- remember. F- I, let, me, let me help you out a bit. FIU had not won a home opener in a while uh, prior to this year, so they did not win the home opener that year. And, and, and I'll, I'll, even, I'll even give you okay. another clue. I'm, gonna guess. Give you- I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to guess 2018. Uh, no, you, you, uh, you, were, you were getting warmer with 2019. Uh, remember, FIU actually started the 2019 season 0-2. Uh, the Western Kentucky came into FIU and won 14-20. Then Kalen Wiggins had to start the New Hampshire game. That was the first win of the year. The last two-game win streak was beating UMass of that year and then defeating Charlotte at home. It was actually a three-game win streak when we thought for a second that the FIU football team might have turned the corner and like started to realize who they were, the expectations that we've uh, laughed about so much with that year. <laughs> they won three straight games, and then what happened was they went to Middle Tennessee, the monsoon game that I covered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and lost, <laughs> lost 50 to 17. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was the last time. So it has been a while since the Panthers have won two straight. But, David, they're going to have, in my mind, a real opportunity to do so welcoming a UConn team that, while not necessarily rebuilding in the same fashion, in my mind, not rebuilding in the same fashion as New Mexico State, they have struggled for a while. 
Um, I think there's more talent on this team. I mean, A, they're coached. And now this isn't to slight Jerry Kill. Jerry Kill's a fine coach. He's done, you know, rebuilding jobs at Minnesota and others, but they are coached by Jim L. Mora. I, of course, I mentioned Jim L. Mora because he's sometimes incorrectly referred to as Jim Mora Jr. Uh, different middle names, but he's the course, former UCLA head coach, former Atlanta Falcon head coach, uh, son of uh, former Indianapolis Colts head coach Jim Mora. Uh, Jim E. Mora, I should say. But yeah, um, they have a local kid, David, in Zion Turner from St. Thomas Aquinas. Zion Turner had a hell of a high school career. I think he lost like one game in high school over the past four years at STA. He is now leading the UConn Huskies as a true freshman. And they're fresh off of an upset, David. Um, they were, I want to say, double-digit dogs themselves heading to Fresno State. Or excuse me, that, uh, that game was at UConn um, when Fresno State came in and they beat the Bulldogs. So uh, they're kind of a tough team to read because when you look at their, the games that they lost, they played number 12. Uh, NC State lost 41 to 10. They went to the big house. Remember, four, former four, Michigan lost 59 0. Uh, they beat, was it Central Connecticut State, I believe. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They, uh, yeah, they beat Central Connecticut State to open the, open the year. Or wait a minute, they played six games. My bad. Let's try six. I remember their opening game against Utah State. That one, they actually played really tough. I think that was the, uh, the first time that I, I said, man, okay, UConn looks different. So they lost against Utah State then beat Central Connecticut State at home, and then lost at uh, lost to Syracuse. So basically their losses, David, have been against really good football teams. And as I mentioned, Zion Turner coming in leading the way. Got a really strong rushing game as well. So uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts, David. Uh, what are your expectations? Not asking you, you know, for a prediction or anything like that. I, I know you haven't spent your time game prepping and watching UConn football, but just based off of what you saw last week, what are, I guess the better question is, what are you looking for to see continue against in my mind what should be relatively a similar level of competition uh i've said that you know going to this game i felt that new mexico state yukon bryant louisiana tech were really going to be the games that in terms of just talent level should be fairly similar so uh with all that context take it away david eric 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 i sense a trend here yukon just can't beat good teams and they're facing a big dog this week, baby. We are going to smoke this team, Eric. We are coming off this high of a win. We are going to build off this momentum, and we're going to smoke this team. Uh, no, but in, in all seriousness, I'm I'm with you. Um, before the season, I I really I had it at three. I know you had it at four. I, I'm not, too, you know, I know you keep telling me La Tech. I'm just maybe having. Uh, flashbacks of the 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 lot tech of old, but sure, sure. Uh, UConn was definitely one of those teams that I circled on the calendar. Said like this can be a victory. Uh, I still think that we're at home, homecoming, uh, coming off you know a big emotional win, first FBS win in in, in three years, um, and I think that you know if this if the defense can play like they played. This last week, I, I think we even have a a really good chance. Um, you know, obviously, it's like you mentioned, like the there the what you know. Once again, I, I think we've we've mentioned this ad nauseum. It, it, the past, you know, even four or five years, FIU's biggest weakness is uh, the run defense. But you know, I thought they showed like they I thought they played really well against the run this week. If they can, you know, play even to that level uh, or even close to that level, I think that's all we need um i think the offense uh, is starting to get more comfortable in this system 
Um, I, you know, I think that we should be able to put up, you know, at least some points on UConn. So I, I listen, I, I think that this is totally a, a still winnable game. Uh, I know they're coming off a big win against Fresno state, uh, which honestly, when I saw the score, I was a bit shocked myself. Um, but you know, I, I, let's see. I mean, I think this is another, you know, big test, um, to see like if, you know, we were obviously for the, for the New Mexico state game, we're coming off the most embarrassing loss of FIU's football history. And now let's see how these guys could, you know, respond to, uh, you know, getting a big quote unquote underdog victory to see if they can keep that momentum going. So, uh, I think the key to this game though, absolutely is definitely the run defense. Um, you know, if, if we can force them to beat us in the air, I know we, we still got, you know, un- inexperienced or, or younger guys uh, in, 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 in the DB section. But uh, I think, I think, you know, if we can slow down their run, I, I, I don't see why we can't, you know, beat this team pretty, not soundly, but I think we should beat this team. Um, especially, I mean, we're, we're basically almost a touchdown underdog at home. So uh, once again, Vegas is just a fan of losing money, Eric. <laughs> no, David, it's like you've been reading my scouting report. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head for, again, Anyone who is not familiar with Zion Turner, a local kid at St. Thomas Aquinas, he's, he's not a big quarterback. I mean, he's a classic. David, let me just throw some out there. When I say, you know, a Broward, Dade County quarterback, just what comes to mind in terms of maybe uh, style of quarterback and size? Just what's the first thing that pops in your head as someone who is a, a Miami native? Yeah, um, dual threat, athletic. Um, the first guy that comes to my mind is going to be um, – kind of super super random wow and i'm as i as i said that i, I am blanking out oh my god <laughs> we were talking about him this weekend too oh my god i literally just had his name at the tip of my tongue um my god he's a northwestern guy uh ej hilliard sure um yeah that's like the that's like the the, the south florida quarterback that that type you know um can make plays with his legs and i think we're just gonna have to force him to throw and that's gonna be the keys to victory that's basically Zion Turner. Listen at five eleven, a buck ninety eight. Uh, very much a dual threat guy. It, he still has room to grow as a passer. I mean, even during his high school career, I think he only threw it as a four year starter. Only threw for something like five thousand yards in his career. So definitely going to look to use his legs, and is still unproven as a passer. So that's going to be the key. The run game is where it is. And ironically, David, UConn doesn't have big backs. They they have like shifty backs that they're gonna like to want to get the ball on the outside. Nathan Carter, let's say at five nine one ninety five. Devonte Houston, five eleven one sixty. So not big backs at all. Those big linebackers, guys like Gaethan Bernadell, Donovan Manuel, they're gonna get a chance to kind of eat a little bit against those smaller backs. Have a chance to see what happens there. But yeah, as you mentioned, uh, yes, FIU secondary is young, but Zion Turner force him to beat you through the air. I don't see any reason why. And David, in my mind. This is another, uh, for lack of a better comparison, another Gavin Frakes type quarterback. You know, New Mexico State starter, the true freshman who was benched in the second half for Diego Pavia, uh, a young guy who's still kind of growing as a passer. I think FIU's DBs can have success against that. You know, they're not facing Austin Reed. They're not facing a Lane Hatcher, veteran quarterbacks. You know, they're not facing even the kid from Bryant, uh, Zevi Ekos, who's another veteran quarterback. They're facing a, a true freshman. So, I think that, you know, you hit the nail on the head as far as your synopsis. So it's going to be interesting. Definitely the three things that I am looking for, as I mentioned, force them to pass the football. How will the line play offensive line? Can they put together back-to-back performances? UConn 
as a, a, a bit of a uh, of a hodgepodge of you know some transfers, but still a young team as well. How can they fare there? And then how will they deal with success? There's a lot of young guys. It's the first time they're coming off of a win. Can they see how they perform? Can they start fast? I think if FIU starts fast, I, I, I think they'll be able to carry that momentum. And especially, I say start fast because remember, offensively, defensively they perform well, but offensively it's been two quarters since they produced any points. Uh, of course, they would have gotten the points had the Chase Gabriel field goal been good, but uh, that's just something, you know, like, because you haven't seen them score points in a half, you want to see if they can get an early touchdown against this UConn defense. So uh, I am still writing my game preview, so I will not give my my prediction until that's published tomorrow. So got a little bit of time left, but David should be exciting. Wish I could see you out there at the cage. I know it's still going to be a few more weeks. You unfortunately have to be out of town. What am I going to see at the cage, man? Like, remind me, what game am I going to I'm going to finally catch you. It's, it's been a while, man. Like I, I miss seeing you out there. Like we need to do, uh, we did the Shula Bowl Twitter spaces and of course we did it on the road. So uh, I wasn't there, but we got to do one live, man. Like I, if, if you finally make it to a game, which I think you said the first one might be UTSA or maybe Louisiana tech. I can't remember. Uh, I am posting up right there next to you. Like I'm going to find you at tailgate. I will wait to go inside the stadium and we will do a 15 minute Twitter spaces on our respective phones right next to each other. Eric, um, listen, I blame the NCAA for <laughs> for this schedule. It's absolutely ridiculous that we've only had one game. This, this is our second home game. It's already October. Um, you know what I mean? I blame them for this. Uh, they had to, of course, schedule while I'm out of town twice now. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty pretty sad. I'm going to be able to go to this game. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a, you know, I, I know Brian had a, a very nice showing. I'm hoping... A very similar showing uh, shows up here. And, um, yeah, I'm actually down to give uh, – well, first off, yes. Uh, I'm just going to say yes to whenever I am able to go to a game, whenever, whenever I'm in town again. Um, we are absolutely going to do that. And then I'm going to sneak into the, the, the box. And, oh my God, do you hear my dog? He is literally sleeping, like snoring. you hear that? That's my dog, Eric. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're absolutely going to do that next – Next time, you know, next game that I can actually go to. Um, but I'm going to give a quick score prediction on this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go 31 20 FIU. Okay, 31 20. That's a, I, that's well above the uh, Vegas's over under. I think the over under is like 46. So uh, I can tell you this much. While I don't have my prediction yet, uh, I'm going to go a little bit lower than that. So it definitely would be interesting to play out. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, it, whenever David makes it to the cage, we will do a live Twitter spaces right next to each other with my dog. Let me post it up and we'll try to do something special for the Shula bowl as well. But uh, it, real quick, David, I'm just looking at Wikipedia. Um, did you consider FIU's campus Westchester? I thought that was considered. Well, what, what neighborhood is FIU's campus considered? Um, well, it's definitely, well, it's, um, oh my God, what's it called? It's, it's technically, it's right by Westchester. I'm sure probably part of the campus is on Westchester. Okay. Um, but it's really, uh, my God, what's it? I'm because I've, I've seen, I've seen the technical name of university park, but of course that doesn't exist. Like that's one of those, you know, made up university names. Um, and then come on, what's the, the I should know this too. having covered the damn team. Sweetwater. Sweetwater. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it, it's so West. It, it is Sweetwater, but Westchester is like, like close. It's it's like <laughs> two minutes. It's like two minutes from there. So it's it's you know big campus, Eric. 
We are we are in multiple locations in the city. <laughs> I just saw that on Wikipedia. I was like, hang on, I gotta ask David this because I, I don't think uh, I don't think I've seen a, a Westchester <laughs> reference since I've been covering FIU. But uh, with that, thank y'all for listening. Uh, really excited to bring you guys a game recap, David. After a win, holy cow! It has been after an FBS win. It has been a long time, but hey. The past is the past. Now the next streak is to try to string together two straight wins, uh, especially would be key before it's a UTSA game. David, uh, FIU has bad lucks. Bad, bad lucks. Let's try this again. FIU has bad luck with the uh, nationally televised game because, uh, yeah, UTSA comes to town. Uh, <laughs> that one's going to be yeah. on CBS Sports uh, Network. Yeah. Go, go, let's go ahead, say that much. That's going to be a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> remember, remember, Eric, if you remember, if you remember my, uh, my prediction – uh, which, by the way, I'm only one off. Or I get, yeah, I get two off because I didn't. Yeah. I predict them as Ws. But my one loss, I predict my in my my classic uh, preseason predictions was UTSA. Um, I think I might hold on to that one. Um, <laughs> but I'm still. I, I I predicted a win against UConn. Like actually, still actually predicted. Um, you know, it's not my preseason. You know, fun predictions. I actually really do think we're going to win. We should, we can win this game. Um, and you know, if if the team that showed out in New Mexico State comes back to Miami and plays like that, um, I think we should be walking away with another victory. <laughs> all right. So as I said, we'll finish up this podcast. Thank you all for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Shula Bowl Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C Henry underscore. You can find Mr. Hondel himself, David Hondel the missing Panther fan, <laughs> Scott Carr, if you listen to this, you know, Eddie, Eddie Handel's always there. Uh, make sure to give uh, David Handel a hard time. I'll make sure I set that up uh, next time you're at the cage. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Handel. Well, tell, three, two, one. Also yes, sir. Tell, tell, tell Scott to stop scheduling while I'm out of town. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will pass the message along to Scott and I will pass his response along to you. <laughs> you can find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel three, two, one. Last but not least, you're home for South Florida Sports News, the fine platform that allows us to do this. Five Reasons Sports. Shout out to Ethan Skolnick at the number five Reason Sports. Thank you all for listening. Happy football watching, and we'll do it again next week.